Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Well, Jenny, we've seen the NBA trade deadline come and go. This next man has been warning me about it for months, so let's go and have a chat to him about it. It's Ben Malice. He's an NBA journalist, part of the Pick and Roll AU team, and uh, he joins us on the Overnight Crowd. Welcome, Ben. Well, hello. Welcome. We uh, finally got through to the NBA trade deadline. We made it. We survived. As I said, mate, you warned us for the longest time about this uh, trade deadline, and it certainly delivered with the business getting done right at the end. What were your thoughts overall? Um, it was just protracted, wasn't it? We always knew that the Ben Simmons, James Harden saga was going to go down to the last couple of days, so that wasn't surprising. But there were a flurry of deals this week, which I'm sure we're going to talk through, and it all seemed to happen inside the past 48 hours. So as the NBA is prone to do, there was a lot of talk for a few months, and then there was a flurry of activity over the past couple of days, which gives us plenty to talk about and the landscape has shifted quite drastically ahead of what is really going to be a great push into the playoffs. So it'd be great once we get post all-star break and things settle down and we can see these new teams in action. But it was great to see for our interest anyway, a lot of interesting trades get done. Mm. All right. So let's get started. We've got a fair few to, to go through, but let's look at the Ben Simmons, James Harden trade, obviously Philly and Brooklyn swap gets conducted, uh, Simmons gets to the Nets, and can we expect him on court soon? There's sort of a bigger picture to him, isn't there, than just the trade? Yeah, of course, there is. And if we take strictly a Ben Simmons view of what went down, this is the best possible situation for him. Now, obviously, we assume that he's going to get back on the court in the next few weeks. And if he does, and the second big caveat here, if the Brooklyn team (laughs) around him can get fit and we see Kevin Durant back on the court... We see Kyrie Irving, either through getting the vaccine or the laws in America changing back on the court, then Simmons has a team that is tailor-made for his game. We've obviously got the two players I mentioned in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving around him, but there's more shooters on this team than Simmons has ever had at any point in Philadelphia with Seth Curry, who came along with him from the Sixers. We've got our boy Paddy Mills. We've got Joe Harris, which... In itself, that's a five-man shooting group that Ben Simmons will be itching to play with because Ben's biggest flaw in his game, as we know, is offensively shooting the ball, but he doesn't have to shoot the ball on this team. He just has to play a Draymond Green-type role like Draymond does in Golden State. And if he can do that, we might be seeing the best version of Ben Simmons over the next year and a half. So obviously there's going to be a ramp-up time for Ben getting back on the court. It has been a long time since we've seen him. But this trade and getting to Brooklyn is the best thing he could have wished for, and it puts him in a position to succeed over the next phase of his career. So out of this trade, who got better and who got worse, uh, do you think, Ben? I know it's hard to, uh, as you say, until after the All-Star break, we can't see these teams really coming together and seeing how they gel on court. But, yeah, just a flinch reaction? I think it's one of the rare NBA trades where both teams got what they were looking for. Hmm. If we're talking about who got better for this season alone then it's the 76ers. They're adding James Harden to Joel Embiid. And that's a guy that won MVP three years ago, playing with the man that is the MVP or my MVP at the halfway point in the season. And it gives the Sixers a one-two punch that, if healthy, is as good as anything in the sport. If we take a longer horizon and factor in that Ben Simmons is 25 
and also the fact that James Harden is going to be getting paid $60 million a year Australian over the next half decade <laughs> as he ages into his 30s, then Brooklyn can come away very happy knowing that, yeah, they might be sacrificing their championship odds this season, but over the next three or four years, if the big three in Brooklyn can stay together, then they are better positioned in my eyes to capture a championship over the coming years. Joe Ingles, uh, we expected a move like this to see him shipped out of the Jazz uh, following his knee injury. He gets to the Trailblazers. Uh, what happens from here? It's an interesting one because the ACL injury that Joe suffered a couple of weeks ago means that he's going to be out through the rest of the season and his contract is up at the end of the season. So he's in a very unique position in the sense that he got traded away, but he is never going to play a game with Portland under mm. this contract. And in July, he's going to be able to choose where he signs with for the next phase of his career. And if I was a betting man, I would bet that he re-signed with the Utah Jazz, funnily enough. And the next time we see Joe Ingles play an NBA game, as I say, if I was to guess, would be in a Utah Jazz uniform. And considering he's rehabbing for the past 12 months, it'd be like nothing changed because the NBA can be a brutal sport at times. And the moment Joe Ingles got injured, he turned into a contract on a balance sheet for the Utah Jazz. Right. And the trade sending him to Portland was just Utah trying to save a bit of money and get a younger player through the door that can help them over the next six months. So Ingles can stay in Utah. He can continue to rehab. And then in July, he'll get to choose where he plays his next NBA game. And unless something drastic or unforeseen happens, I wouldn't expect that to be in Portland, which makes this whole trade a bit funny and a bit of a weird one, but it doesn't change anything for Joe over the next six months of his rehab and his basketball life. Isn't it fascinating how you can go from being an athlete to being part of a mathematics spreadsheet when it comes to this side of the business <laughs> yeah. of sport? Hey, it, it is. It just speaks to how, how ruthless the NBA can be at times. And like we said before, with James Harden on track to sign a contract that pays him $300 million, there's more money to be made than the NBA than any sport in the world and it quickly becomes a numbers game when players get injured. All right, so Dom Sabonis will keep moving along. He's uh, a stud, <laughs> according to my mate across the desk here, Paulie, but he gets to go to the Kings in Sacramento. Do you reckon this is a good fit? He is a stud. I agree with that. I think <laughs> <he's been laughs> miscast a little bit the past two years in Indiana playing alongside Miles Turner. Both of those guys are big men that should be playing the five position and trying to get them to merge together in Indiana has seen a glass ceiling on what they can both accomplish. So there's been a lot of talk about what Sacramento gave up to get Sabonis through the door, but I actually like this trade for them and both for him as well because playing alongside De'Aaron Fox, we saw just snippets of it yesterday in their first game that those two had very good chemistry considering that they only just met the day before. <laughs> And Sabonis is an all-star caliber player, a top 20 player in the NBA in my eyes. And I think this was a good move for Sacramento because it's very easy to point at the Kings and the litany of mistakes that they've made over the past 20 years. But getting a proven big man through the door who is only 25 years old and still have massive room to grow is a good get for them. And I think he is going to improve them now. Whether that's enough to get them into the playoffs this year or anytime soon is a valid question. But they did get better this week, Sacramento, and I like the move for them.
Yeah, I uh, uh, just I will follow uh, Dom wherever he goes. As uh, we're talking about his uh, stud qualities just there, but uh, the Trailblazers are up in our chat again. Ben Portland blowing up the Lillard uh, McCollum backcourt and sending CJ to the Pelicans. Uh, is this sort of a move to see the Pelicans? Uh, you know, trying to move forward into the playoffs. They're still without Zion Williamson at the moment. What's their sort of hopes for the rest of this season? Yeah, this trade has two teams are going in opposite directions. Now, Zion for the Pelicans hasn't been seen all season. And again, there are valid injury concerns over not just his career this season, but long-term going forward, what that looks like. But New Orleans, in bringing in CJ McCollum, is just trying to add some perimeter scoring around both Zion and Brandon Ingram. And like we just said about the Kings, we can talk about whether they gave up too much or whether the value was there, but... Strictly talking, the Pelicans became a better side when they bought in CJ McCollum, and this is going to allow them to make the playing game for sure this year. And if Zion can return to the court post-All-Star break, then we could see the Pelicans climbing the standings and potentially competing with the two LA sides to squeeze into the top eight. So they did what they should do as a young team looking to get better and bringing in a veteran presence. And for Portland, it just signals the end of an era with CJ getting shipped out. And I would suspect this is a precursor to a Damian Lillard trade in the off-season because Portland was able to retool, cut some salary and bring in some draft picks, but there's not much left in Portland. And when Damian Lillard looks up in the postseason, past the postseason, sorry, and really starts looking around at the talent around him, it could be time for him to finally request that trade and get out of Portland. So... The Blazers got some young players in. As we said, they've got Joe Ingles' contract and a few other things, but nothing there is making me think that it's going to be enough for Damian Lillard to stick around once we get into the off-season. Uh, on to our next look. It seems a man that's a little bit unwanted uh, and can't find the right fit, but moving from the Mavericks, we see Kristaps Porzingis, and he heads to the Washington Wizards. Yeah, Porzingis has had a bit of a fall from grace over the past three years. It was only three or four years ago that he was on track to play in his first All-Star game and looking like the next big phenom in the NBA. And he tore his ACL and then came the train to Dallas. And the Mavericks were hoping that he could be Luka Doncic's running mate as Doncic elevated into MVP form. But it just didn't work in Dallas. Culturally, he wasn't a fit with Luca. There's been stories going around NBA circles for years about how those two guys didn't really get on with each other. And on the court, Porzingis is just an unreliable player to be paying $30 million a year to. So the Mavericks have essentially just salary dumped him to Washington and got back Spencer Dinwiddie, who should help them this year a little bit. He isn't the best fit alongside Luca, but he gives them another ball handler and another wing that can score the ball. And the Mavericks also bring in Davis Bertans, who can shoot the basketball, but is also well overpaid. So the 10,000-foot view takeaway for me on this trade is Dallas getting <laughs> out of the Chris Stapps Porzingis business and bringing in a couple of players that who are well overpaid, hopefully can help Luca win a playoff series for the first time in his career. Although he went for 50 today, so I think he might have uh, enjoyed the extra elbow room maybe, Ben. Yeah, well, Luca could go with 50 with uh, me, you, and uh, some scrubs playing with him, I think. And <laughs> we saw that again this morning. When and if Luca ever gets a proper all-star playing with him, the Mavericks will quickly become uh, a championship contender. It's just a case of where they find that person. And while this trade this morning adds a bit of interest, 
it doesn't change them outlook too much because at best, I still think they're a second round in that team. Derek White, uh, I've seen a lot of his play. It's not a name I'm necessarily that familiar with, but he's left San Antonio. He's joined the Boston Celtics. Uh, I asked earlier around the Pelicans and their acquisition of McCollum, uh, do we take this as a sign of uh, Boston sort of rising their uh, view of where they want to go at the end of this season and chase for a title? Mm, This trade was probably the most interesting one for me today because Derek White is a good player. He's a role player in the NBA, can start games, can play minutes on a playoff side. But he doesn't really change the fortunes of Boston that much. In Boston, the truth is that they're not going to reach that championship ceiling and that championship level until Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown improve their playmaking and both go up as players. So Derek White is a good get. He makes them a better side. Probably not a Celtics outfit that I see winning a playoff series and getting into the second round. But they did improve, and I suspect this trade is them setting up for their off-season and potentially making a further move to get a third star alongside their two young wings. So it's an easy sell for Boston. They get better today, but it's not like they jumped up any great levels, and I honestly would be surprised if Boston do not make another big trade in the off-season. So Goran Dragic, he's made the move from being a Raptor across to being part of the Spurs. Uh, let us know, do you have the read on the overall quality of the Spurs? Is, are they going up or are they just staying where they are? They're probably going backwards, to be honest. They <laughs> are not making the playoffs this season and they're headed for a top 10 draft pick, which is a rarity for them given the success they've had over the past 30 years. And even someone like Dragic, the uh, word out of the States is he's going to be released from his contract over the weekend and will likely be signing with the Dallas Mavericks. So the Spurs aren't in the business business of sorry competing for playoff spots at the moment. And I'd expect to see them float around where they are now, but they won't be winning a lot of games through the end of the season. And as a team, they're going through a real transition out of a side that was winning championships last decade. That is suddenly a long time away from San Antonio in terms of that happening again. And this trade this morning was more an admission from them that they're retooling and rebuilding as opposed to a move that's going to see them push for the playoffs. Well, uh, woe is the Lakers, hey, Ben? Uh, can't get a move done or didn't want to get a move done. Uh, where are they at for the rest of the season? Do they have hopes of the playoffs? Are they going to make a change with their coach? Uh, I saw that starting to pop around the other day as they're below uh, 500 by a couple of games now. Yeah, I suspect that the Lakers have a picture of Cancun up on their wall and they're focusing on their end-of-season trip because, (laughs) unfortunately, they weren't able to do an awful lot this morning. And Russell Westbrook deserves some blame or credit, if you will, for the predicament they're in now. But this was predictable to many of us before the season. Adding Westbrook to that team, it just didn't look like a good fit and it continues to reinforce that it shouldn't have been made in terms of that move for Russell Westbrook. And the guy is getting paid $45 million US this season, and it was just impossible for them to find a trade that works. So the Lakers look like a terminally ill team. They might change the coach. They might sign a fringe player here and there. But LeBron James looks checked out. Anthony Davis looks checked out. And unless those two guys can put on their Batman cape and really do something impressive, this team is going nowhere. So the Lakers... It's honestly a little bit sad in the sense that they've become an afterthought and they get attention and we keep talking about them because they are the Los Angeles Lakers. But when it comes to the playoffs and competing in the later rounds of the playoffs, they are irrelevant this season and 
they are just waiting to the off-season. And hopefully, for their sake, when the season ends, they can find a taker for Westbrook's contract and move on and retool this team around LeBron and Anthony Davis. Uh, Ennis Freedom, uh, he's traded, he's brought out, he's spoken out about China and now conservatives in the United States are claiming him for their cause and saying he's been cancelled and you can't have these sorts of uh, viewpoints and then also exist in the MPA. Uh, more uh, to do with the performance on court, is it not, Ben? <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, Ennis's uh, NBA career is about to get cancelled because <laughs> he was traded again this morning and he hasn't been getting much playtime over the past couple of years, so... I suspect someone might pick Ennis up over the next few days and he'll get on a roster and, look, we might see him pop up in a playoff game here or there. But his NBA career is uh, almost over and he looks like someone that's on the fringes of the NBA and, yeah, it's probably not a good sign when you've got the US Conservatives uh, championing you as a, uh, a poster child for their cause. And on the court, I don't think we'll be seeing much of Ennis over the course of the season. I agree wholeheartedly, Ben. Uh, thanks for the time once again, mate. I will continue to follow your work on the pick and roll. Thanks, guys. Great to chat. Thanks very much to Ben Malice once again for joining us on the Overnight Crowd to wrap that big day of deadline news in the NBA. Did your team get the trade that you've been chasing? Let us know on the Overnight Crowd. 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. Jump on, have a chat with Heater and Jenny on the Overnight Crowd. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.